On Blast. This is I'll name this football pod later part of the On Blast podcast network as always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play and YouTube. Tell your friends. My name is Sheldon Alexander and as always I'm joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Window Sports Betting Podcast. We're into the double digits, week 10. How you feeling, Mr. Russell? Feeling good, feeling okay. Uh, last week was you know, kind of a wash, to be completely honest, though. We did avoid some pretty significant traps, uh, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and just sitting here waiting for the Masters to start, man. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's mid-November, why not have the Masters? And of course, it's 2020, which means rain's torrential downfall had to come. And uh, now we're just sort of sitting, waiting around. But uh, happy to be here with you. It's by far my uh, most enjoyable hour or so of the week. Uh, so I can oh, I can wait out the rain with blush. you. Make yeah, blush. I can wait make out the rain blush. with you. That's fine. Um, yeah, and big gambling fans, golf fans, sports betting gambling fans definitely need to be following M. Russ Authentic on Twitter, getting all the info and listening to the Window Podcast to get all your info on what you should be doing as the Masters goes along this weekend. Golfers dreams for sure. As you know, I'm not a big golf guy. Definitely not a big Masters guy, but appreciate the love that people have for sports because I also love sports, namely the NFL. Yeah, and as we, head in, right, as we head into week 10, last week, six and eight record for me. And it was funny because coming off of Sunday or heading into the Sunday nighter, it was six and six, not feeling well about last week, but Knowing, as I keep saying, where the mistakes lie, not listening to you about taking the bills, right? Knowing, and, and then you realize when you're picking all of these games, that one or two games here and there matter. So when the Bucks then get decimated, and then when, I mean, the Pats, we'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> when those things happen, you realize how that affects your overall numbers, but the fight to remain above 500 continues we are here, 66, 64, and three. I'll take it. So we start with the Thursday nighter, the Colts traveling to Tennessee, five and two Colts, six and two Titans. This is a pick 'em game. Thursday night football action. I got to be honest, I'm on the Titans here. If you're telling me it's a pick 'em, the score last week against the Bears was a little de deceiving. And as of now, I still can't trust Phil Rivers. But either <laughs> right. way, the short week. Cannot be good for the old man. But the real question here is the running game. Derrick Henry, one of the NFL's top rushers versus Darius <clears throat> Leonard and the Colts, one of the NFL's top defenses against the run. Who do you like in this game? A pick -em game, Colts. Titans. Yeah, it's uh listen, it started out Tennessee minus two, minus two and a half, right? Because you look at those games last week and you go, Colts lost. Titans won, right? The first thing we do is like, what's, our, what's in our immediate mind's eye of what happened last week, right? But if you look deeper into the box score in both cases, which is one of the three tenants that we grade our bets on beyond just the final score, mm -hmm. is you look at it this way, right? Like the Colts, all of the, when it comes to Phillip Rivers, his success depends on two things, right? Game script and matchup. 
And so from a matchup standpoint, when he's going up against a fast defense, blitzes a lot, as much as he's changing protections and doing all that sort of thing, he can get confused pretty easily. Also, from a personnel standpoint, they don't really have running backs who are all that good at pass protection. So there was a play late in that game. It was fourth and one. They go for it. They run the play action. And it's going to be a walk-in touchdown if Rivers can get the throw off. But he can't because the running back gets absolutely blown up in pass protection. Rivers ends up fumbling the ball. And he looks like the jackass in all of this, right? Meanwhile, it's like, well, if the running back had just stood up in any way, shape, or form against the blitz, it's a walk-in touchdown. We're down to either a three- or a five-point game with tons of time left on the clock. Now, it never really should have been that close because the Colts were going in for at least a field goal in the second quarter. And... Jonathan Taylor, by far the worst running back, maybe the worst football player in the entire NFL. He fumbles (laughs) the ball and the Ravens go. And of course, everybody focuses on the rivers on his back trying to make the tackle. We talked about that on my show with you on Monday. Mm -hmm. And, and all of a sudden it's seven, seven and the Ravens had zero business being, which was funny because that was the sort of reverse case the week before against the Steelers. So when you're looking at this game, you go, okay, Sure, they lost Tennessee one, and you said that it was you know somewhat cosmetic the score for the Bears, and you're right because you know that was somewhat of a blowout from a, from a statistical standpoint. Listen, we already know the Bears aren't very good on offense, yeah. um, so the Titans were able to take advantage of that, and most importantly, a fumble return for a touchdown. Right, so you had two games that had fumble returns for touchdowns, which aren't that common in the NFL. Sure, pick sixes. Mm-hmm frequently right but gathering a fumble defensively especially in your own territory and then running it 50 plus yards back the other way just doesn't happen that often in the nfl right so you have to take all of these things from a game script standpoint with a grain of salt so for me i go into this game and i go okay well what what philip rivers are we going to see the one that we just saw last week like oh he's washed like they're you know i can't trust him or the one from the week before against the lions where he's dropping dimes all over the yard right? And from a matchup standpoint, the Lions defense and the Titans defense, pretty similar, right? Obviously, that sort of New England personnel standpoint, bigger linebackers, guys who can't cover, which opens up tight ends and running backs to throw to for Rivers. So he's going to be able to move the ball against the Titans way more than the Bears were ever going to be able to, because we talked about the Bears offense being the sort of chuck it and hope Nick Foles style offense, where that's not really what the Colts are. So, you know, going on the road, that doesn't mean anything at this point in the NFL, right? Like you do have to build an occasion for spots and travel, but that's not really the situation here when it comes to going from Indianapolis to Tennessee. Uh, on the flip side, right, Tennessee's offense, they're great. But again, what's the thing that runs that offense? As you mentioned, Derrick Henry, and you mentioned the Colts defense, this is the defense that's built to slow him down, right? And the Bears were able to slow him down last week. And I think the Colts will be able to do so too. So in a game that in theory should be higher scoring, I trust the Colts defense to hang okay. in there with Tennessee from that side of the football. And I think you're going to get the good version of Phil Rivers tonight. We talk every week. We're sort of waiting, sitting there, looking at our watch for a Dory Jackson, the number one cornerback on Tennessee to come back. And, you know, we thought it was going to be three weeks ago. He got uh, taken off the IR list. You get 21 days to come back, or you have to go back on IR for the rest of the season. They activated him this week, but he's not playing. So the good news for Tennessee is, you know, reinforcements are coming with their top cornerback, but the bad news is it's not happening tonight. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton back 
for the Colts. And so that's going to stretch the field. You know, he doesn't get necessarily a ton of balls, but when you're talking about him going deep, spreading out the defense, tight ends, running backs against these slow Tennessee Titan linebackers that are all very much in the mold of Vrabel himself. I love the tight, uh, excuse me, I love the Colts tonight. Um, and I, but I understand like why people were into the Titans, but you know, you watch this line move from two and a half down to pick them now to sort of the Colts leaning as the favorite here. One, I talked on my podcast earlier this week about having to tease the Colts while you could at plus two up to plus eight. That's a phenomenal number, especially now that that, that line move has happened. But even yeah. still, I like the Colts tonight. The Colts. Okay. Okay. And this is why we talk things through. There's different and the Thursday things. nighter, right? Talking you out of your Thursday nighter record. Hey, the Thursday night record. We talk yeah. about it all the time. Fading my own picks. I'm going to be on the Titans. Fade that pick, take the Colts. These are just the lessons. Hey, we're all yeah. honest. Everything's above board. This is what happens. Um, yeah, and I had no idea that you were going to like the Titans. So this actually works out well from sort of that standpoint. This is how things work. Listen here, people. We're on the Colts, okay? We're on the Colts. Moving on, though, there's a couple games where uh, the line has either been taken down, but there were lines earlier, and we know the schedule continues to be in flux week in, week out, just because of a lot of these COVID situations with different teams. So you got the 7-2 and two Bills at the 5-3 and three Cards. No line there, but I think it was Cards minus 1.5. Do I have that correct? Yeah, and actually that line is actually back up right now as okay. of this morning at two and a half for the Cardinals. So hasn't moved Ooh. a ton. Um, I think actually, to be honest with you, more over, this was maybe some questionability about, uh, you know, some obviously some guys on the Cardinals with regards to COVID, but also mm-hmm. Buda Baker, uh, one of the key yes. players, you know, famously for Monday night against Dallas all over the field. Uh, oh, yeah. That line may have come down or come off the board, we should say, um, based on sort of having to recalibrate what his effect might be. It's not going to be a ton, so I can sort of see why that was off, but then right back on. A ton of different COVID stuff, as you mentioned. Uh, The other ones that you're going to get to, I might as well just jump on right now. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, we know what the deal is there, right? It's the Ben Roethlisberger. Same exact situation as the Matt Stafford situation last week, where it was like early COVID situation, probably going to play. But here's the thing. He's also got knees, both knees, right? We were watching him hobble all over the field in in Dallas. He seems to think that he's going to play, right? Ben Roethlisberger is a famous, famous injury exaggerator, (laughs) right? Like like literally what? should be on his Hall of Fame uh, plaque, you know, mm-hmm. right in the top uh, list along with how many Super Bowls he wins. Uh, so that number <laughs> opened at nine and a half, whether it was sort of because of the Roethlisberger stuff or just the fact that nine and a half is too much, it moved to seven and a half, mm-hmm. um, you know, all obviously in the direction of the Cincinnati Bengals. People love the Bengals, right? You know, Joey yes, covers, you know, all of that yes, stuff. They right? do. So of course that number was going to come down off nine and a half. Um, yeah. It moves to seven and a half. That's a game that I like, you know, I'm like everybody else in this case, right? Like I like the Bengals in this spot. Um, Plus, I don't if know. There's I any, if there's Go any ahead. chance we're seeing Mason Raymond, of course, right? Like, uh, I don't if think Mason Raymond's going to play, former Vancouver Canucks. Did I say and Mason Raymond? Toronto, What's my guy's? Toronto, sorry, sorry. But Mason sorry. Rudolph is probably Mason going Rudolph. to play. <laughs> or, or would be in line to play. <laughs> That's what I'm Maybe they might have a better chance with Mason Raymond, though. <laughs> <laughs> they, actually, they actually might. Hopefully he gets some time at like a wide receiver or something like that. Yeah, it's funny because we, you know, when you and I are so deep into so many sports and we're, we're getting old and we've been, you know, yeah. like the names start piling up. Uh, we have these 
name slips all the time, <laughs> right? Like that's just sort of the nature of the business. Yeah. And, but that, in this case, you know, as a Canucks fan, uh, the Mason Raymond one might be my favorite one so far. Um, so yeah, like obviously the, the back door wide open potentially for Cincinnati, upset alert wide open there, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly a potential upset um, from a money line standpoint that you might want to bet on. Um, but then again, we're not really, you know, that's not really a secret, right? Everybody yeah. in town is on the Bengals from that standpoint. So we'll see whether Roethlisberger's in, we'll see what that line ends up being. And then speaking of Matt Stafford, right? We talked about him with yes. the COVID situation. He gets up, he gets back, he comes in, he's not very good against the Vikings and he gets absolutely destroyed. And you literally see in like your Twitter feed, Matt Stafford brain injury, questionable to return. It's like, wow, we're not even calling them concussions at this point. We're Jeez. just straight, straight up calling them brain injuries. So that line hasn't been up all week, right? So I couldn't even, I should, I can guess what the line's going to be. I think if Stafford plays, that line's probably in that four, you know, four, four and a half, five zone. Uh, If he doesn't, now we're getting into such much dicier territory with Chase Daniel. Uh, Should mention they're playing the Washington football team. So they're probably going to be favored no matter what, just because of people's opinion about the Washington football team. It's just a matter about by how much, but it can't be that much because the Detroit Lions, that ship is sinking and it's sinking hard right now yeah and and you're right though whatever the line ends up being in favor of the lions i want zero parts of alex smith as we discussed on our monday pod on uh the window but yeah the best case for alex smith though is that at least he's got a week right? He's got a week to prepare as the starting quarterback. Now he's a veteran quarterback. So in theory, you shouldn't be like, well, he needs a week to, you know, sort of get his mind right, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least rep with the ones, if you will. So every time that he's come in, it's been, you know, in the first case, it was haven't played in two years, muddy, Mm -hmm. wet conditions against a pretty good team in the Rams. That's not ideal. And then against the Giants this past week, listen, those interceptions were atrocious, but, you know, still at least moved the ball to an an extent. And so if he gets a full week as the quote-unquote starting quarterback, it's got to be better, right? Like it's got to be better than the two times that we've seen him play thus far. So that would be my case for the Washington football team against a Lions team here who may have quit on their entire season at this point. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some action on Sunday, though, as we've got the six and three Bucks heading to Carolina. And it's funny to look at Carolina's three and six record because obviously that's their record in the standings, which yeah. doesn't really have much to do with what we do here. Yeah, we <laughs> feel we a lot better about them than three and five <laughs> or three and six or whatever they are, right? Like, I don't even and know. I don't even care what their record is. Exactly, right? The, Bu- yeah. the Panthers are three and six. And the Bucks, and we love this spot because, again, the Panthers are underdogs. And our guy, Teddy Two Gloves, came through covering again as a massive underdog last week, covered that 11-point spread fairly easily against the Chiefs, underdogs again, and I love them as dogs against the Bucks. But I can't really figure out the whole side of what's going on with the Bucks. I just don't. Sure. I'm unsure of what's going on with them. And they are the team so far to me this year of what I've learned the most from doing this podcast with you, right. meaning the importance of when we're catching these teams. Are they on yeah. the uptick? Are they on the downtick? The Bucks, I can't figure out which way they're going. <laughs> right. And each what? week, it's almost like I'm just guessing wrong on yeah. the Bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's each week because like we saw them sort of on a down week against the Giants, oh, right? Sorry, like we were I was making that. a personal statement. You were correct about the Bucks <laughs> okay, and the Giants enough. game. You sniffed that out 
from a mile away, they're going to be bad against the Giants. So I was yeah. making a personal attack okay. on myself. <laughs> well, I consider us a team, man. I consider, well, hey. like, what are we doing here if not sort of as I appreciate a team? Even if, even if you ignore some of my picks and, and, <laughs> and, and that happens, but that's okay. You know, teams, teams do different things. Um, I you appreciate know, that. I appreciate uh, we're not all on the same bus all the time, right? Sometimes it's, <laughs> you know, multiple cabs. So um, <laughs> what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, for one, yes. Like, did you see that coming from Tampa Bay last week? No. Like, that was insane. Like, and that game was over so quick that it wasn't like a game where you can evaluate the two teams against each other over a long period of time, right? Like, if, if it's, a, it's almost like if it's a close game, you can get a better idea for how good each team is relative to each other. That one was like, okay, the Bucks had four bad possessions, right? Like, four three and outs. I think one was maybe an interception. And then the Saints had four really good possessions and it was like 28, nothing. And it's like, okay, game's over, done. Like the other 10, you know, the other six to seven possessions to get to 10 or 11 possessions didn't cease to matter, right? Because now the Bucs have to start just throwing up fourth down tries. The Saints don't have to do anything spectacular on offense and 10 points were scored in the second half. And you know what I mean? Like the the over didn't even hit, right? In the NFL, an over actually didn't even hit. And so it's not like we really learned all that much. We just learned that the Bucs weren't ready to go relative to the Saints last week. And we learned that the Saints defense finally showed up and that they were ready to go sort of full- uh, full roster for the first time this season. So, uh, you know, you have to sort of take that with a grain of salt because it's like, okay, are the Bucks just bad all of a sudden? And the answer is no, I don't think so. I think they just got absolutely housed in essentially one half of football. And then game script wise, it just was what it was. They were sort of playing out the string in the second half. And so you go into this game and you go like, you know, what do we talk about all the time? embarrassment with professional athletes, right? The key to motivation is embarrassment, whether it's a team didn't believe in you and traded you or let you sign somewhere else or this, that, or whatever. In this case, you got blown out on national television last week, right? And so you're going to get the best practices. You're going to get the best effort out of a Tampa Bay team. It's, and we're not talking about like Detroit or the Jets no. where you go, okay, they got embarrassed, but they just stink. And so you can't rely Brady. on them. Yeah. You can't rely on them to come back and do anything. You can rely on the Bucks to come back and play really well. And sort of one of the unsung situations in that game was a guy by the name of Ali Marpet. And you're saying to yourself, well, I know Godwin, Evans, Jones, Fournette, uh, you know, Brown, Brady, like, why is Marpet the most important guy on the team? Well, he's literally their best offensive lineman in the interior mm-hmm. of that line. And, of course, what happened, Tom Brady has people right here up in his face the entire time because the backup can't do a thing to stop a really good New Orleans Saints defensive line that is fully healthy now. And so does Carolina have that defensive line that can do the same thing? No. And by the way, Marpet looks like he's coming back this week. So it's not like they're even going to have the opportunity to do so. So now you're looking at that Carolina defense that gets shredded on a week to week basis. You talked about Teddy two gloves. We love him, man. We do. But those stats that we give out, a lot of those parameters don't apply this week, right? They're not on the road. They're not uh, underdogs, excuse me, of over seven and a half points or sort of, you know, large scale underdogs. This is a one score point spread. And it's certainly something that the Bucs are more than capable of covering if they show up. And this is a game after two sort of mediocre games, or in one case, atrocious game, that they're going to show up in. You have the added element of 
Christian McCaffrey, you saw what he gave to that offense, right? He, he extended drives, obviously scored some touchdowns, but the key was that he was the outlet for Carolina. That's yeah. not going to – like, he's gone, and now it's back to Mike Davis against a Tampa Bay team here that is really good at stopping running backs out of the backfield, right? Levante David in there just running all over the field. All same over thing. the field. He was a beast. And, Devin White. And so, I, for me, like, as sort of – square or however you want to call it the bucks on the road as a favorite here i actually think there's some value here on a team that's going to come out flying i think on sunday the one thing too that we know brady will take personally is just a fact of how poorly that offense looked and the one thing from a game script standpoint obviously it didn't work last week but we've seen in spots where he comes out and says okay I need to get this guy going. I need to get this going. I need to do right. And like Gronk had a bad game the next week. Okay. We're force feeding Gronk. Oh, you know, there was a couple games early in the season where uh, Evans wasn't getting many touches. Well, when they get to the red zone, now you see it all the time. There's at least going to be one fade thrown to Mike Evans in the red zone at all times. Like he's very, um, you know, focused on fixing the wrongs from the week prior plus getting adjusted to whatever Godwin's going to be able to give you with his busted finger. Right. That's going to be an interesting thing week to week in terms of how, what kind of routes he can, he can actually successfully run and actually make catches plus yeah. fig- figuring out this Antonio Brown thing. I see what you're saying, picking up what you're putting down and having them being favored by less than a touchdown is a direct reaction to last week, watching Teddy two gloves do what he did against Mahomes, right? Like yeah, and a lot our of the- vision of that is going to be, oh, he went toe-to-toe with Mahomes, right? And that's not really, you know. Yeah, and it works both ways, right? Yeah, Carolina came so close, if you will, right? So mm-hmm. again, like there's some letdown element, obviously, even just in the marketplace, we go, you know, the first thing that we talk about, right, is Teddy Two Gloves' record against, you know, as an yeah. underdog, right? But a lot yeah. of that was built without people realizing that he was a really good underdog. Like, yeah. <laughs> having a good record as an underdog is a lot of the times a function of people not believing in you. That's why you're an exactly. underdog. That's why there's value on your side. Well, a lot of people are back in, right? Starting like, they're believe. on the Carolina train. They're like, at points, we're getting points with Carolina. I'm in. I'm all about that, right? So there yeah. isn't that, like, no longer believes situation. And, like, what was the line going to be? The line wasn't going to be three. That's what I was for just going to say. You know what I mean? Like, it was, you know, four, four and a half if McCaffrey was healthy. Like, you know, you can sort of get dragged into underdogs in the same way that you can get dragged into overvaluing favorites here. And I just, I kind of think that's what's yeah. happening. And I think too, like that's a perfect example of what the pod is, right? We come in, here's what the headlines are saying. Here's what the Joe public take is going to be, but let's talk things through and come out the other end more educated. Make sense? Yeah, Um, man. We keep going with our uh, season-long Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl here. And I got to say week nine goes to Dollar Bill as obviously the Bucks. The Bucks just flat out lost. And you could argue the Patriots won, but maybe yeah. they lost too. But it was just so <laughs> ugly for Tampa Bay. Got to give this week nine to, to uh, Dollar Bill Belichick and Killa Cam Newton. But this week, week 10, 6-2 and two Ravens in New England as a touchdown favorite. Now, <laughs> they, they won ugly against the Jets. 
I'm pretty convinced that the Jets threw that game, which, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm only half joking when I say that, by the way, because I sure. still need someone to explain to me how you get a too many men on the field penalty when you're blocking a kick. <laughs> yeah. I, I need defense. that explained to me. Like, I just need that, that explained happen? to me. Right? It, it looked yeah. very Vrabel-esque. I'll just say that much. But anyways, we'll we'll move on. We don't care because we had the Pats in Survivor, right? So this (laughs) week, plus they're getting seven points against the Ravens. I was going to say I like the points. I was going to say I like Belichick scheming against Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens offense continues to look subpar. But upon further review with myself, follow me here. I don't really like, I like Belichick's scheme. I just don't like Belichick's players on defense to be able to try to keep up with Lamar on offense because the linebackers are just too slow. We, we saw this could be the same kind of running attack that we saw with San Francisco, right? Where the Niners were focused on their just pound the rock, I know you're going to make fun of my me and my coach, Lilico, straight up the gut, nothing yes. fancy about it, but just okay. the physical running game. Belichick's Patriots are normally set up to stop that, but they just don't have the bodies, and we're seeing that week in, week out, where Flacco, if he was just committed to running the ball and not just tossing it up, maybe the Jets win that game easily. But that's my, my take here. I'm flipping, and I'm going Ravens here. Okay, there you go. I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go Patriots, but I like it. Uh, listen, so you know we talk about the sucker bet of the week, right? And mm-hmm. that this might be it, but if Ooh. it is, I'm a sucker because I'm with okay. you, man. Like okay. I watched that. Like listen, we watched that game. Like we needed the Patriots for our lungs. And so, a mm-hmm. couple of things, right? We talked about the survivor pick of the week last week being the Steelers, and then Saturday rolls around. That's the sort of perils of doing this on Thursday. Saturday rolls yeah. around, and Sam Darnold's out. And it's like, oh, that's, I hear Joe Flacco's music. He's coming down the aisle here to the <laughs> ring. And I'm like, oh, man, I think we got to get off the Steelers. Cause I did have kind of like a nervous vibe about the Steelers. Cause they always sort of phone in the games that don't really matter. And that was one yep. of them. And so I'm like, okay, uh, you know what? I think we got to take, you know, for long-term potential here to win our survivor uh, contest, we got to go with the Patriots. And then of course I watched the Steelers game and I'm like, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. We avoided losing with the Steelers. And then of course they come back and win. I go, okay, maybe I'm not that much of a genius. And then Monday rolls around and it takes me roughly four seconds to realize I am also not a genius because this (laughs) Patriots team stinks to high hell. And we're not going to know whether that game was thrown until Adam Gase somehow gets a contract extension at the end of the year after going 0-16 or 1-15 and again securing the services of Trevor Lawrence. But you know, yeah, like Gase is going to Gase, bad teams are going to bad team. And the best part of that game was when Bill basically dared Gase to go for it on fourth and three in the first quarter. And Gase was like, nah, like I'm good and punted <laughs> the ball away on like the 41 yard line. And it was like incredible because it was like, yeah, he literally just dared him to not be terrible. And Gase was like, nope, I stink at this. And yep. so when we're looking going forward to this Ravens game, like, yeah, it hasn't, it didn't look pretty last week for the Ravens. We talked about that early relative to the Colts. They were much, much better against the Steelers, except for Lamar Jackson just kept giving the ball to the Steelers. And so the Ravens do pretty well against the Patriots in general, right? Housed them last year in Baltimore when the Patriots were undefeated. And so for me, like, I get it. It's super square again and sort of weird going back to back with Tampa Bay and Baltimore here. But like, 
minus seven. Like he can sort of see it creeping up to seven and a half, but like, mm-hmm. how are the Patriots going to score and sure. how are they going to stop? the Ravens run game because like you said and you picked it out perfectly you referred to the most comparable game and that's the San Francisco game from a few weeks back and it's like yeah if you were holding you know San Francisco minus seven I mean that's not what the line was the line was you know (laughs) Patriots minus three but if you're sitting there holding San Francisco minus seven you were cruising the whole way I just don't understand how it's any different this week, yeah. right? And so, like, the Patriots were able to hang in there against statue Joe Flacco, who eventually just stopped throwing pass interference balls, which is his, you know, and always has been his number one <laughs> form of offense. And it's like, uh, that's not what Lamar's deal is. Like, he's going to be able to stand back there and do things too. And he's also going to be able to take off. Like, we're worried about yeah. Lamar when you get pressure on him because he gets a little indecisive, like we saw against the Steelers for those turnovers. And then we saw a little bit, especially in the first half against the Colts. And so if he's just sitting back there kind of dancing around doing whatever he wants, throwing from crazy angles, it's hard to imagine this not being just a massive blowout here. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, what up, especially after watching that game against the jets, it was the realization of yes, the Patriots are still a bill Belichick Patriots team, which means they're going to overachieve, but they really don't have the players at all. They no, really they don't, don't have the horses at all. No, you it's, and you literally you're watching that game and you're looking at the defense and you're like, okay, the McCordy brothers probably both washed at this point, and mm-hmm. every other guy like the broadcast is trying to talk you into some of these guys, like a JC <laughs> Jackson who at least caught the interception late. So like shout out to yeah. him, but he After was getting burned like how many times though? Yeah, all, like all of the times. And so like <laughs> you're and, and you're looking and you're and like even just they show a pan from behind and you're seeing like the names on the back of the linebackers and the defensive linemen. I'm like. Who are these guys, right? At like one that point they terrible. Yeah, at one point they were talking about how Winovich like had like no burns, got zero like snaps the past couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden he's like right in there playing every single down. It's like, yeah. wait, what's going on here? You're totally yeah. right about that. And if the Patriots were, if the, if their name were the Jets, if their name were the Jaguars, yeah. and they were hosting a game against the Ravens, what would that line be? Because you can't mm-hmm. tell me that the Patriots right now are any better than the Jets. We just saw it. We just saw or it. the Jaguars or some of these low level teams, yeah. right? Like this number, even on the road, is going to be similar to Tampa Bay and like the Giants where it's in that 11, 12 point range, right? Maybe even just 10. It's not seven. And so like, there's way too much credit for the Patriots at this point. Totally. And the Cam Newton thing is interesting to me too, just in the sense that you're watching whatever his skill set is, right? Yeah. Whatever the, the potential of that offense is, if you put this exact same offense on another team with other coaches, it would be atrocious and they would never score. But I, but watching the Patriots, it's like, no, this is our structure. We're sticking to this game plan. This is yeah. what we're going to do. We're not being baited into just trying to make Cam sit back and air it out. Nope, that's not what we do. And that was a thing of like, okay, so this is still Bill Belichick's ability to coach up basically anybody, but this team is yeah. not good. No, um, and have the patience to have a nine-minute drive and just being yeah. like, okay, like, it's the fourth <laughs> quarter. We've got two drives to make this thing work. And, like, right. that's the list. And it's like, so uh, true. You, you know, and each one of them is going to take, like, eight and a half minutes. And we're not going to force it. We're not going to panic. Even when they're running, uh, you know, Newton diving for the first down with, like, 19 seconds left. It's like, we're not even trusting this guy to throw, like, a three-yard out at this point. We're just going to take this first down. We're going to take one shot through the middle of the field, save that timeout for that, and that's how we're going to win this game. And it worked out. Like, that's entirely coaching. 
Exactly, exactly. So as my perception of the Pats continues to evolve, the same thing has to happen with their AFC East friends, the Dolphins, who are now five and three and hosting the two and six Chargers as two and a half point favorites. And this is a great QB matchup for some the two young bucks coming up in Tua and Justin Herbert. What a game for Tua last week. And it makes me it, it brings back the memories of just a couple of weeks back when people were like, wait, but what about Ryan Fitzpatrick? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. That the was glory a thing days. that was happening. Q, but, Q Bruce Springsteen. Right? So this line is minus two and a half. I love the Dolphins. Seems almost too easy. I really like their defense. I'm, I can tell by the look on your face that you're going the other way here. And I just might be too high on the Dolphins right now, just watching them so far and how good Tua looked one week. And, and I'm guessing, are you going to say that had more to do with the bad defense of the cards? No, not necessarily, right? Like, this is okay. just the ebb and flow of the NFL season, right? And, like, maybe next season when you're waiting your picks and, you know, we've got some sort of, uh, you know, maybe system. this is a TV show. Maybe this is, you know, some sort of elaborate platform. We're going to have all kinds of production value. And this is where okay. I pull out that, like, you know, police alarm, like, wee-hoo, <laughs> and, like, the, the flashing red thing. Because, okay. ladies and gentlemen, we've got ourselves the sucker bet of the week. And dun, no dun, offense dun. to you personally, because it makes total sense, right? Like, under yeah. a, a, a field goal favorite here against a Chargers team that just always blow it. They're terrible. And everybody's now on our, on our side here with the Dolphins. And I tweeted out on Sunday, like, hey, if everybody could just be quiet about the Tua thing we could ride this out another week. But the reality is, no, they've got their own alarm and they've got their, hey, we found the undervalued team alarm. But the key thing is, if you found the undervalued team, it's probably too late because we were on that two weeks ago with the Rams. We were on that last week against the Cardinals. And now they go from underdogs here at home to the Rams you know, almost a, you know, actually a full touchdown by the time that closed at six, right? Like money yeah. came in on the Cardinals last week that went yeah. from four and a half to six. And I was just sitting there going like, all right, I'll hang out and wait and I'll mm-hmm. grab plus six. I'm cool with that. And now it's like, everybody's now seen Tua. Cause remember we wanted to bet on Tua when we didn't know, right? Yeah. Oh, there's no way to know if Tua is going to be good. And it's like, well, maybe the two years of being absolutely <laughs> awesome in college. And I don't just mean yeah. like, because they won games by 50 points. I mean, like his accuracy, he's like famously accurate, right? And he's dropping balls in the bucket all over the place against the Cardinals. And I don't think it was necessarily due to the Cardinals defense. I mean, they're not necessarily great, but now that everybody's on the train, we now have to go, okay, well, what's the price, right? The price for doing business has gone up here. And so this game that should probably be about a pick maybe even the Chargers a small favorite, right? A couple of weeks ago, like before that Rams game, you look ahead and you go, man, this is a Chargers team that's playing with the Chiefs, with the the Bucks, with the Saints. Like they're going to go on the road. Like if they were the team that the Dolphins faced in that first game, like they would probably be a four-point favorite as well, right? Just based on the uncertainty. And now it's switched all the way across to two and a half and frankly i think this gets to three because of Ooh. all the tua love all the dolphins okay. love. now as much as we love it and we've been psyched about tua you can't 
you know, just go all heart here. You do have to analyze what actually happened in these games. And so in the first one, defensive touchdowns, I'm going to say touchdowns because the second one was essentially like, you know, they had what, two yards to go by the time the guy got tackled. And then last week, right off the bat, right? Kyler gets stripped. My guy's running down the sideline. His buddies are coming to block for him. Happiest time of my life. And, and then of course, you know, they end up even then, you know, sort of barely winning, right? Like you needed Kingsbury to be making stupid decisions, which is like his motif at this point. Um, And then a ridiculous field goal that, you know, 45 foot yard field goal that goes short. Like I was just like, all right, I guess we're sweating out overtime here. And then like I watch and it's just like, oh, he didn't, he didn't make it. Like I watched it, it was completely (laughs) online and it didn't go through the uprights is what you're trying to tell me. And so you look at the box score and, you know, their yards per play, unfortunately with Tua is sub New York Jets offensive levels. Now it looks cool. Cause like he's making some really good throws. He's scrambling. Like some of the scrambling was outstanding, mm-hmm. but the numbers say what the numbers say, right? Like this is still not quite cooking here. They're without Preston Williams, one of their top receivers. This isn't a team that's absolutely loaded with weapons on the outside. And you've got this Chargers team. Again, it's going to be important. Do they get Joey Bosa back, right? Because that was one of the keys to last week's game, them not having him in the lineup. And again, that's a game that they probably should have won like literally every other game, right? And so eventually (laughs) maybe the Chargers end up winning this, winning a game. Maybe it's this game. And if we're getting two and a half, but again, I think three. So the key here is wait, 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 grab the three when it pops, you know, that's just a ton of value on what right now, unfortunately, is just a full bandwagon situation for the Dolphins. And happy to have them on. We've been driving it. But right now, we're going to take a little rest stop on the side of the road here. And we're going to be on the Chargers plus three. Yeah, I mean, I'd especially like to take the Chargers plus three if they spend the whole week working on some more goal line plays. I'll be happy with that. I'll happily (laughs) take the Chargers if they work on that. (laughs) Um, Sticking with the quarterback theme here because we're going from the two young gunners to a dude that was doing it at a very high level until he got to Buffalo last week where he took an absolute beating. That would be Russell Wilson, who I want to say the number was, I think knocked down 16 times in that game last week against Buffalo. But now the Seahawks are going from Buffalo to LA and they are, a point and a half underdogs. Now, this NFC West is very weird to me, right? The Seahawks, as mentioned, loss of Buffalo, as you predicted. Uh, the defense couldn't stop anyone, also as you predicted. Russ took a beating. Now, here's the Rams. I don't really know what to make of the Rams at all. It might be one of those things that you just mentioned when we were talking about who was it we were just talking about where we said, oh, the blip on the radar, the Bucks, right. right? Where it's just what happened to them in Miami, right? Was that just a blip or is that just more than that? Not really sure. But if they're coming off a bye week here, what do you make of this game for the Rams hosting the Seahawks in a game that if the Rams really want to win the NFC West, you kind of yeah. got to win this game. I like the Seahawks just because I don't trust Goff. But right. it's tough. It's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And listen, it's a tough one. It's not one uh, that if it ends up being sort of a best bet for me, it's going to be after a little more, 
uh, research, uh, yeah. a little yeah, more yeah. sort of uh, a bit of a gut check, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but here's sort of the, you know, fundamentally, here's how I see this game, right? And so y- when you come out of your bye week, you know, a lot of people just give teams credit for, mm-hmm. you know, having the bye week because they've gotten rest, right? Yeah. For me, I always look at how is the team playing before the bye week and, you know, I want to go the opposite way of how they were playing. Because for one, you've got two weeks of people thinking that you are either amazing, if you went into your bye week amazing, or in the case of the Rams, stink uh, going into the bye week, right? So that sort of thing sort of percolates and sort of boils up where you're like, yeah, I don't know what to think of the Rams. And then you go, when was the last time I saw them? Oh, right, they got killed by the Dolphins. And that's fair, but they've also had two weeks. So now it's instead of, say, the Bucks getting killed where they have one week of practice. It's two weeks of having that lingering embarrassment if you're the Rams, right? And so if you're a well-coached team, if you're a good team, again, not like to say the Jets, for example, or some of these (laughs) other teams, I expect the best game out of the Rams. And so then you go, okay, well, what about the matchup here? And you go, okay, you're right. Russ got absolutely beat up against the Bills, which was the the surprising part of that game, right? I thought that was going to be a yeah. shootout type game. I mean, it certainly was to the extent that the over, it went blue over the over. But yeah. the fact that the Bills were able to turn him over and get to him a ton, I think was more about the rest of the Seahawks. And in many cases, obviously the run game and the, and, and the offensive line, where it was like, yeah, like Russell Wilson's good. Like we already know that. And (laughs) getting knocked down is more of a problem with the situation for the team, right? We talked about how of a terrible spot that was for Seattle. And it wasn't a terrible spot for for Russell Wilson because he's amazing and he's sort of spot proof. But if Mm -hmm. the other 10 guys aren't all there for you that week, you're going to be in trouble. So yes, they should have that motivation to be really good this coming week as well. So you have two forces sort of going against each other from that standpoint. Now, when do we not like Jared Goff? Well, we don't like Jared Goff when he's on the road. We don't like Jared Goff when he gets pressure. Correct. Seattle doesn't really do that. Seattle's not really a pressure team. And, they're, and, and as we saw by they're Brian trying. Dable, right, the Bills offensive coordinator was like, we're not even going to run the football. That's a waste of time against Seattle. They're actually pretty good at it. And now, you know, you have Jamal Adams back and he, his best sort of role in that team as a, is as a box safety, meaning like stopping the run, covering like, you know, backs out of the backfield, tight ends and that sort of thing. Well, again, not really what the Rams do, right? They're going to be able to throw against Seattle because everybody's going to be able to throw against Seattle. Now, they often throw off of the run. So you sort of go, okay, well, if they do try to run, then that could get them into some problems there. But if you just watched the Bills say, screw it with the run game, yeah, you know what I mean? And you're Sean McVay. Like, why would you hit your head into that wall? He's got to right? be in the lab just, just cooking the exact up. same yeah. thing. Yeah, the blueprint is right there for you, yeah. right? And so defensively, right, obviously, if the Bills can get to Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald is going to cause some havoc there, right? And you go into every game with the Seahawks knowing that your offense is one-dimensional. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that you can be in the NFL. Well, zero dimensional, I guess, is the worst thing that you can be if you say <laughs> the Jets. But I shouldn't, I shouldn't trash the Jets. They almost absolutely, you know, drove a stake in our heart last week. But, you know, if you're one dimensional, right, like you can be game planned against. And the yeah. Rams historically have done pretty well against the Seahawks. And that coaching matchup of McVay against Carroll is a really good one for the Rams. And so like right now I'm leaning to the Rams. I've heard a lot of really smart people make the case for Seattle. And listen, I got all the respect in the world for Russ Wilson, man. But 
right now I'm thinking like it's probably Rams or nothing for me at this point, unless something significant happens in the next couple of days. You mentioned a blueprint, right? And one thing I was looking up while you were just talking, um, I wasn't ignoring you. I was looking something up, but. Oh, it's uh, Jay-Z, I think. Jay-Z is. (laughs) I know you're not a huge hip hop guy, but I think it's it's Jay-Z. What I was going to say was we've (laughs) seen the Rams respond after a bad loss already. And it was a loss that they took against the Niners. They're kind of embarrassed in that game where a lot of people didn't really have them right? A lot of people didn't have the Niners winning that game at all. And they kind of embarrassed the Rams. And after that game, you saw the Rams come out in that big performance on the Monday night against the bears where a lot of people had the bears, right? And yeah. and the and it was the thing that you mentioned earlier on, right? That week off of being embarrassed. And then you come back as a team and you say, no, 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 no. This is going to be a really good spot for us. So now, as you mentioned, you extend that into two weeks because you're coming off the bye and you have the tape from last week to see what happened against Russ. Plus we know Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's not, you can't stop DK Metcalf. Do you know what I mean? But he's going to be in his grill. Right? Yeah. And at I, least well, barking thing, and being like, annoying and being like, I'm not saying he's going to stop him. I'm not sure. saying that. I'm just saying he's going to be annoying. Sure. And maybe he ends up on Lockett and they, you know, sort of throw the safety sure. on the side of Metcalf, right? For sure. That's the thing. Those two guys, Lockett and Metcalf, right? You're going, one of those guys is going to eat. You see it every yeah. week. It's either yeah. one or the other because the team takes one guy out and then it's just absolute eat festival for yeah. the other guy. And on that, you know, that, that offense, you're just like, God, I hate betting against Russ, but I hate betting against those two dudes because they make sure. all the catches. But like mm-hmm. the reality is, they don't often cover, right? Like they, like it's, it's still true. sort of a 50-50, are they going to cover type situation here. Now, this is a game where it's like you just need the winner, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. But, uh, yeah, I think I like the Rams. I got you. I got you. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. As we go from the NFC West, let's go to the NFC East. And picking a winner here is going to be tough because this is the Giants and the Eagles. We're right. talking about a two and seven team versus a three, four and one <laughs> Eagles team here. The Eagles are three and a half point favorites. Now the Eagles are coming off a bye. The New York Giants are the New York Giants, and yeah. I get it, right? The bye week should help the Eagles as they should be continuing to get healthy. The Eagles have been the team that most people have projected to win the division. And yeah. if that's gonna happen, you should beat the Giants here. But we're here talking about point spreads. I don't really like taking them by three points. I definitely don't like the extra half point at three and a half. Right. But if you follow this pod, one thing I really don't like is having anything to do with Danny Dimes under any circumstances at all. He barely beat Alex Smith last week. So as much as the Eagles have been very problematic this year, I'm on the Eagles and I'm just going to brace – for the level of fuckery that Carson Wentz continues to bring week in and week out. Cause their spread <laughs> yeah. covering depends on Wentz and his level of how many times am I going to throw across my body across the field for yeah. no good reason. He's insane. He's, <laughs> he's an insane decision maker. Like it's, yeah. it's, see, it's, it's not even bad. Like it is bad, but like, it's more just like, it's like he murdered somebody 
And then, you know, they went to trial and they were like, what's the defense here? Like you clearly murdered him. And he, and he's like, I'm insane. And then you're like, Oh, okay. And like, you get off because you're insane. Like, yeah, you have to spend the rest of your life in some sort of facility one way or another, but at least it's not jail time. And so Carson Wentz is out here avoiding (laughs) jail time just by being freaking insane with his decision making because just enough times he throws incredible passes that you just go yeah you know what he probably didn't mean to kill that person and so (laughs) or in this case their team so i i think as much as i sort of got off the rails there (laughs) you're right about the giants right like you're like the giants like five turnovers for Washington last week, right? And listen, I loved Washington and I don't regret it, man. I don't regret it because they needed a a quarterback injury, yet another in the long line of Washington horrific quarterback injuries. And they needed all five of those turnovers to put Washington away. And if you had told me that one team was going to turn over the ball five times, uh, I would have been like, I could be either one, right? Like there's no way that you would be like, oh yeah, it's definitely Washington. You'd be like, either team is capable of doing that. And that's the sort of risk you take in betting not just bad teams in the NFL, but the NFL in general at this point. And so three point game in a game that you turn, you got five bonus possessions essentially, right? Like you only get like 10 per game and they gave (laughs) them the ball five times. And then you go back and you go, okay, well the giants should have beat the Eagles, right? It took that huge comeback on Thursday night that we're all well and aware of. But you go, yeah, they should have when it comes to like, what was the situation in the last five minutes? But if you again, look at the box score, watched any part of the first half, first three quarters of that game, you're like, the Eagles are much better here, but insane murderer Carson Wentz is just throwing (laughs) balls all over the place here and it's not working out. Now you're right. They're getting healthy here. So things should get a little more sane when it comes to Carson Wentz, right? Miles Sanders looks like it's, he's going to be back. That offensive line's getting healthier. The defense, we might see some Alshon Jeffrey, remember him, like Jalen Rieger as, you know, another couple of weeks of him being healthy. So this is where the Eagles have to make their run. And this run might end up being seven, eight, and one, but it also might be seven, eight, and one to a comfortable division win. <laughs> but it starts this week against a Giants team that still stinks. Like even that, like yeah. the Daniel Jones run that we're all familiar with, right? 80 yards he runs for. And that's like 25% of their entire yardage that day against the <laughs> Eagles. So if the Eagles yeah. have done nothing over the course of this bye week, I'd like to think that stopping Daniel Jones on the keeper on that option play might be the first thing that they do. Like they're not going to get fooled by that, are they? So take off 25% of the offense right then and there. (laughs) So it's such a short number because people like betting the giants because they're scrappy. They've covered a bunch of games in a row here, right? Three or four, I think. And, and, and now it's just like, this Eagles team that we are not psyched about, why would we want to take them as favorites here? But I think, you're getting a better version of the Eagles. And I think you're still, you're getting this sneaky bad version of the giants that just people are willing to ignore because of the results of the last couple of weeks, but that doesn't do us any good going forward in a predictive way. So I'm with you. I like the Eagles here minus three and a half. I think that's going to be a pretty strong play for me this weekend. Yeah. All over that for sure. The next one I'm kind of iffy on because it, it involves our, favorite double digit spread as the Packers are 13 and a half point favorites to the one in seven Jags. But more importantly, your man's Jake Luton. That's your guy. That is my guy, man. And how could you not know? How could you not know what you want to do here? 
Hey, Jake. when you first off, first off, first off, I'm clearly on the double digit points, right? Okay. Taking the double digit. When in doubt, when in doubt, you know my nod is I'm gonna take the double digit points. My question though is I don't know enough about Jake Luton. You introduced me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners here, in their introductory right. to a lot of these things here, right? To your man's Jake Luton. And then you're watching the highlights of my guys getting spicy on the spin move into the end zone. Loving life on that cover, right? So double digit spreads, we mentioned your underdog QB needs to be competent. We saw a competent QB last week, but that was against the Texans, right? Now, we go to the Packers. It's right. a move up in weight class, but mm -hmm. is a move up in weight class, like the levels of weight class, more uh, – is that a real thing? Or is it more just how we view the Packers as Aaron Rodgers, one of the best teams in the league, but are they really, really that good? <laughs> You know, because the Packers are a weird team to me. Sometimes they just beat up on the bad teams, which, yes, yeah. the Jags are a bad team. But sure. is 13 and a half too many points? That's my question to you. Yeah, I mean, the answer is yes, right? And so one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Mad Men. And one of my favorite Great lines show. in that is where, you know, Peggy's all mad because she doesn't get enough credit around the office. And she's like, you mm -hmm. can just say thank you once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. And then Dawn Draper is like, that's what the money's for, right? Yeah. And so when you're talking about this, it's like, that's what the point spread is for, right? That's what ah. the price is for. And so mm -hmm. this isn't seven, right? This is, it was 14, which is an indicator right there, right? This game opened mm -hmm. 14 and imme almost immediately, within a day, essentially, People were like, they weren't even willing to wait for limits to open up. They were like, we're grabbing plus 14. That number's too high. Like, yeah. what are we doing here, right? And immediately moves down to 13, 13 and a half, depending on your book, right? Now, maybe mm -hmm. liability comes in, more money comes in on Green Bay, as it tends to do literally every week, no matter what, and pushes that back up to 14. I frankly hope that it does, because I would prefer plus 14, obviously, <laughs> than plus 13 and a half. But I think that line move early in the week is an indicator here that you are probably on the right side with the Jags. Now, from a okay. football standpoint, how could that possibly be? Well, for one, let's take the uniforms off, right? Whether it's the Patriots, whether it's whomever, let's take the uniforms off of the Packers and just talk about a team that lost by essentially two touchdowns just two weeks ago to the Vikings at home. Correct. Now, I'm not saying the Vikings are bad. I'm not saying anything necessarily, but I'm just saying this isn't this juggernaut team that just wins every week, no matter what. There exactly. is some vulnerability there. And because Aaron Rodgers exists as a person that we all love to bet on because oftentimes he comes through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, of course, the Packers are going to get credit and all kinds of money is going to come in on the Packers, at least from a public standpoint here. But we're talking about 13 and a half, 14 points in a game that the Packers don't really need all that much, yeah. right? Like they've done what they've needed to do up to the point this season where, you know, obviously they're going to win the game, but it's like there doesn't need to be some sort of elaborate focus here. And now what can the Jags do? Offensively, they can hang in there, right? They can run the football. So this isn't going to be Dalvin Cook, like scampering through the Packers secondary and just absolutely burying them. But Robinson here is perfectly serviceable as a running back, both sort of yeah. through the pass game and running wise. And we've seen, again, my boy, Jake Luton, uh, didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment. Now, maybe you get into Lambeau Field and things get a little squirrely here, but it's not like the Packers are turning teams over in a lot of ways. So if you can run the ball here and Jake Luton can, he can make the throws. He, he kicked in the door with a 73 yarder that was dropped right in the bucket uh, to DJ Chark right in their first 
possession. And listen, the Jags should have won that game, right? They got absolutely hosed in the officiating mess that absolutely nobody's talking about. Like, imagine if that <laughs> with the play clock situation happened yeah. in the Cowboys game against the Steelers. Like, that For was sure. a one possession game in the end, the same way the yeah. Jags was. Like, we'd be talking about that all week, but it's because the Jags and they sort of have no defense attorney to be like, objection, like, that, like that's, <laughs> I don't know why we're getting so fortsy today, but we are. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like, I think this is a hang-in-there type of a game. I think, obviously, listen, the Jags' defense, pretty bad, right? Like, two long uh, touchdowns or sort of long plays from Houston last week. And you know what? I'll give them two long ones for the Packers this week, too, right? I think the Packers roll out of bed and they get 11. But I think that the Jags – 11. I think they get 31. But I think the Jags can get to 20 here and lose by 11 relatively easily – uh, in, in this, in this game. So yeah, like it's too many points. Uh, I understand why, because of the brand names and that's kind of the key in a lot of these things with regards to the NFL. But, uh, yeah, let's see if we can get 14. We have until Sunday. And if it drops off of 13 and a half, what are we really missing? Right? Because if it goes to 13, if it goes to 12 and a half, it goes to 12. Well, two things, right? One, how often is a game going to land on 13, right? Knock on wood. And two, we'll know that we're on the right side with that money move because it isn't going to be sort of the Luton crew because I'm just out there by myself with a, you know, with the sign all for Jake Luton. Right. And so, yeah, like for me, it's, this one's, this one's an easy pick. It's not necessarily an easy winner. There's no such thing in the NFL, but it's sort of a, yeah, you almost do it blindly. Right. You just go, yep. That's, that's one of my plays this week. Sight unseen. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, the Jags, we mentioned they lost to the Texans. The Texans have two wins this season, both versus the Jags. Texans are now heading to Cleveland as three-point underdogs. Now, I'm not really sure about the Browns. I really don't know what to make of the Browns. There's just such yeah. a weird team. We mentioned their defense isn't really good if your name's not Miles Garrett. Um their offense is banged up. There's bakers coming out of quarantine. There's just a lot going on. You could even have Case Keenum sightings, possibly, if sure. something's up with Baker. And yet they're five and three. But we don't care about the five and three point. We care about the fact that they are three point favorites to the Texans. I don't really like being on the Texans side in any situation this yeah. whole season, even when they're playing the Jags, we're on the Jags. Yeah. <laughs> but in this scenario, if I'm leaning one way, I kind of just want to take the points and not pay attention to this game. I don't really like it. Yeah. Like you, you make fun of the waiting, the picks and all that. And sure. I would really just be picking this just for the sake of picking it. But yeah. I guess I'll take the this points. This does feel like the much. one the one pointer in the confidence pool, right? Be like, <laughs> yes. it's minus three. I'm taking the, the, the Browns. If it's plus three and a half, maybe I'm taking the Texans. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, you know, you mentioned the Jags thing, right? And it's like, yes, two and zero against the Jags and like, Oh, and six against basically everybody else or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, we didn't talk about this with the Daniel Jones thing, but quick, how many teams in the NFL has Daniel Jones beat in his two seasons? Oh, how many different franchises? Isn't it just one? Isn't it just it's, one? It's it's two because oh. he came in and, and he beat the Bucks in that oh. very first game, right? Where he came in and he was like, yes, that's yes, when the yes, Danny yes, Dimes yes. nickname happened. Yeah, and then we yeah, just yeah. regretted that ever since. From I thought game. it was just Washington and that's it. And then ever since it's been Washington. And that's, we're talking like <laughs> 20 games here. Like he's like four and like 17 <laughs> and three of those wins were against the Giants. And so you go like, 
another point for that for that Eagles game is like, okay, if he beats us here with a short line, mm-hmm. it's kind of statistically improbable based on what we've seen. And so what yeah, you're saying, yeah, yeah. what I'm what I'm trying to get to here is that, yeah, like I don't love this game. Like I can't imagine being sort of staunch on one way or the other here. The issues with the Texans are obviously they're not very good at football, but moreover, like how are they going to do in Cleveland weather, right? Because it seems like it's going to be a little colder, right? As you know, we're not Cleveland going to be a little colder this weekend, going to be a little more uh, wind, let's say. Uh, And this isn't, you know, not ideal for the Texans from an offensive standpoint. We know the defense is atrocious. The Browns looks like they're getting back our guy Teller, the guard Wyatt Teller. Okay. We, t- we talked about you know them missing him. You know I think we're at three weeks now, uh, and that being a big issue for their run game. Well, he's back. Hopefully, that's a boon to the run game. Maybe even Nick Chubb is back this week. Boon yeah. for the run game, and you're going to see them just run it down the throat of Houston. And so okay. it's really terrifying to go minus three, minus three and a half with Cleveland, but. Can't you see on Sunday just being like, man, Baker had to throw the ball 14 times because they just Mm -hmm. ran it and ran it and ran it. And Houston just dome team that just played in Jacksonville last week. Maybe, you know, from a market standpoint, people feeling a little too good because nobody watched that game and realized that Houston is the exact same team as Jacksonville from sort of a power rating standpoint, right? Like, again, that game could have gone either way. And so you go again, let's take the jerseys off, right? If Jacksonville was going to Cleveland, would that be a three, three and a half point spread? No, it'd be higher. It'd be closer to six, seven points. And so, you know, you know, I can't get behind Houston in this situation. And so you go, okay, are we doing it? Are we taking the Browns minus a handful (laughs) of points? I'm not in the front front, front of the line to do that, man. I'm not camping out overnight to grab Cleveland minus three, minus three and a half here either. So, you know, how do you play it, right? Like, uh, there's no tease element there. Uh, I don't really love Houston money line. And so you go, like, do I just take Cleveland money line and kind of try to throw that with somebody else to kind of make that something of a bet? Like, it's a grim, grim game altogether. Totally agree. So let's just move on. And and whichever side you're on, you're not going to like it at all but yeah it, it, enjoy it when it comes on the red zone every couple you know every 20 minutes well, the unfortunate well the fortunate part because it's going to be awesome this weekend is that we've got five games early and six games late due to the mm-hmm. masters and this the reshuffling that's happened and it's really awesome and you mm-hmm. and i both both worked in television and we know that yep. sort of this is kind of an unbelievable circumstance where both there was like a compromise between the masters and the NFL where like the masters like we're going to start a little bit early. Uh, but if you guys could, we'll do that. But if you guys could knock a few games to the four o'clock window, that'd be yeah. outstanding too. And they're all like, yeah, deal. And so we only have five games in this one o'clock window, right? Yeah. So it's going to be harder to ignore. So the bad news is it's going to be harder to ignore the Clevelands and the, and, <laughs> and the Houston's uh, of the world here, given that there's so relatively few games uh, okay. in both of these windows. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, as a Niners fan, I, I might want to ignore the rest of this season, but sure. can't do that. It's only week 10 and the Niners are going into Nolens as nine and a half point underdogs. Now the Niners played last Thursday, but only some of the Niners played last Thursday. Because <laughs> sure. if you remembered, it was like they're, Roster leftovers as they're banged up with injuries and COVID lists. They had so many people missing and 
a lot of the wide receivers are still missing, but my guy, rookie Brandon Ayuk, should be back, which is huge. Jordan Reed should be back playing tight end, which is, I know, I saw the look on your face, but follow me for a second here. <laughs> the last time he filled in for Kittle right away, he actually sure. did look good. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because they're throwing to dude. Oh, man, I wish I, I should have written down. What's my guy's name? Uh, River. River something. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Our, our boy, like, River, uh, oh, God. Uh, crew crack or something like that. But my point check? is. I don't even know. But the point, yeah. the point we're made. The yeah. reason I'm bringing up Jordan Reed is because at least that is someone I know. <laughs> when sure. the, the people the Niners were throwing to last week, I'm looking up the box score. I'm like, wait, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> right? It made no sense. Cray crack? Is that a person? Cray crack? I, I think that's it. Doesn't really matter. The point is. They're, they're getting some pieces back. Still not going to be pretty for them. Nine mm. and a half points. I don't really like it. Hoping it gets up to double digits so I can just at least cheer on my team. But does this have the possibility of being a letdown game for the Saints or no? Because their yeah. defense could finally be back. And what we saw from them last week is more yeah. the Saints team that we should see going forward. Yeah, fundamentally. So one of the sort of better... Um, analytics, if you will, websites is footballoutsiders.com. And they sort of have yeah. a pr- pr- proprietary uh, mm. algorithm or sort of mm-hmm. stat, however you want to put it. And that's called DVOA. And yes. um, they measure that over the course of the season and they measure that in games, right? And mm-hmm. so this that game that the Saints played against the Bucks was like off the charts, like literally the best <laughs> game DVOA that like any teams played in like years, basically. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, maybe that gives you a little more confidence in Tampa going forward because you're like, man, the Saints just played really, really well. So, yeah, it's a letdown because they're not going to do that a second game in a <laughs> row. Right. Like, it's not going to be that level. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't need to be. Right. And yeah. against Nick Mullins, it, it doesn't need to be. And so, um, for me, this is a full on stay away for, mm-hmm. from a point spread standpoint, but that's because of what we're going to get to a little bit later on with our okay. usual features at the end of the, uh, gotcha. <laughs> at the end of the podcast. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I don't have a play to sort of give out. Um, I actually kind of, you know, at first blush, I was like minus nine and a half when I'm pretty sure New Orleans can score 35 and I'm not sure that the 49ers can get to 20 against that version of the Saints, right? Because again, you look at that team, you go, man, defensive line, loaded, 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 linebackers, loaded, 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 Uh, DBs, like just a who's who of the last 10 years of guys that are just involved, right? Like Jenkinses are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Lattimore is one of the better cover corners in the league when he feels like playing. Now, listen, San Francisco can do their San Francisco thing where it's a lot of running or whatever, but like, I don't know if the Saints defense is that it's, is that thing that you're going to test with that in that situation. So hopefully this is an easy one for the Saints. Yeah, it's also much like what we were talking about with the Patriots earlier in terms of, hey, the system's there. The system's in place. They're right. able to coach up the current players on the roster. Right. But at a certain point, the Niners just don't have the horses, right? They just yeah. don't have the players. And yeah. you need the players against that defense you just named. Because you know what you're going to get from the Saints offense. You're, you're totally yeah. correct about yeah. that. So yeah. it's going to be interesting for sure. And I guess this is another game where I guess I'm just not going to watch my Niners again, take the Saints and just push that aside. <laughs> but I'm going to push that game aside now and continue on to the Broncos and Raiders. 
uh, five and three Raiders after a, a close, close victory last week. They're five point favorites against the Broncos. And yeah. <laughs> I don't get the Broncos. We talked about this on your pod on Monday. The Broncos in their bad starts week in and week out. Meanwhile, Derek Carr continues to look pretty good. We know they can move the ball with Jacobs and run the ball. The problem is the Raiders' defense. So to me, I'm looking at this game and thinking is a backdoor cover live with your man's Drew Locke. That's basically my my take here on on this play. Five second-half touchdowns in the last two games. I don't know. Who do you like in this game in the Vegas zone? I don't like anybody involved, but that's because <laughs> I might be last to the party on the Raiders, right? And I'm, okay. I'm going to be stubborn on this one because that's I think fair. we've put up, we've had a good enough season here with being first to the party on yeah. a lot of teams, right? Whether it was Jags at the very start of the season and then obviously sort of backing off of that, obviously yep. more recently in the Dolphins and then a couple of other situations throughout the season. So I can sort of admit that like, maybe I'm last to the party with the Raiders. Now that being said, if Mike Williams hangs on to that first uh, jump ball from that game last week, right? They lose that game. It's just another long line of Raiders losses here. And now right. we're looking at a team who's now in a different position than they've been the entire season, right? Relatively large favorites, favorites of over a field goal. And so you yeah. go, yeah, do you really, is, is that how much people like the Raiders? Like I get that we're not all that psyched about Denver. Now for Denver standpoint, you're hundred percent right. It's all second halves. Now, who knows what the deal is with that, right? Whether it was outdoors against, you know, LA or, you know, in the dome against the Falcons, right? The Falcons thing, the big issue there from the time that we spoke to even really the time right before the game is the Broncos didn't have any cornerbacks, right? They yeah. had a sort of a surprise scratch uh, with Callahan at the end. Bouye was sort of, you know, rumored to be out and was in fact out. And so now you're going up against Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, just blowtorching them with, you know, yeah. Zacchaeus and a bunch of other yeah. sort of randos. Dudes I've never heard of. Exactly, right? And so, the, the you know, the injuries keep piling up here for the Broncos from a defensive standpoint. So you go, okay, well, are they going to get a couple of these guys back? That's what we have to watch from a Denver's defensive standpoint. From an offensive standpoint, another guy goes down with an ACL, right? The super long name that's almost unpronounceable from the tight end position. Uh, <laughs> I, re- I really prefer Noah Fant because I can say that a lot better yeah. than uh, the other fellow. Um, but it's the, not Mason uh, Raymond, right? It's not Mason. Yeah, it's not It's not even Kevin Bieksa. And so, um, yeah, is this, a, is this a, a wide open back door? Is there Denver, could Denver even win the game? Yeah, all of those things are 100% true. If you're going to go yeah. a little more advanced though, why not just play this sort of recent trend and just either take Las Vegas in the first half, probably looking at like a minus three, minus three and a half, a little bit steep admittedly, but right. Like Vegas plays pretty well in the first half and Denver doesn't, or moreover, don't make a bet on the game at all. Wait Mm -hmm. till halftime, right? Let the Raiders take their 10 point lead 14. Who knows? Could be a 25 point lead for all we know. Sure. And then it's hammer time on Drew, you know, Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos here. Right. Like and it. so not necessarily to win the game, but you could, you could sprinkle a little yeah. money line at that point, but like, certainly you're going to get, I believe you're going to get a better point spread than four and a half, five and a half, right? Like mm-hmm. I think you're definitely going to get seven and a half live at some point and maybe yeah. something even higher. So this might be a hold your nose and 
don't bet the Broncos right away, but just kind of keep betting them live every time they kind of give up a touchdown early and sort of create a little portfolio where you've got plus seven and a half, plus 10 and a half, plus 14 and a half. Again, that's assuming they get out to these horrific starts, which again, do you think Vic Fangio is going to turn that around just, you know, in one week? Like, I don't see that being necessarily. <laughs> right? But on the flip side, the Raiders big dramatic win last week. Right. And we hate the big dramatic win follow, you know, especially by a mediocre team. Yeah. following the next week. And now they're all of a sudden favorites here where another big dramatic win, they would probably take right now, right? Sign up for, for sure. it immediately here. So you can't bet the Raiders. Let's just put it that way for a full game minus five a lot of, a lot when you've got the lingering garbage time heroics of Drew Locke. Totally agree, my dude. Totally agree. Uh, as we head to the Monday nighter, Vikings in Chicago, Vikings is two and a half point favorites. Dalvin Cook and the Vikings have looked just very different since Dalvin cook has come back and they came yeah. off their bye week and the bears offense continues to just be trash. The calls for Trubisky are still out there as Nick Foles continues to be a mystery yeah. to me. Sure. Uh, the Vikings, I, I don't know. I, I kind of would want to lean Vikings just because of what we've seen. And I don't like betting on Nick Foles and, and sitting right. there watching Nick Foles and hoping that he covers a spread is a tough life to be on. <laughs> I don't know. Do, is this another, I might just blindfold, take the points and not pay attention and be on the bears just for that reason. Cause I'm, I'm not going to sound, I'm not going to sound smart being like, Hey, I should take Nick Foles in their offense and Montgomery sure. who can't run the ball. And but, like, it's just a gong show. <laughs> right. This is a gong show Monday nighter. Yeah, it absolutely is. And yeah, I mean, I think that is the strategy, right? You wait, you, you, you should be more vigilant about this game on Monday afternoon okay. than you are on Monday night. And what I mean by that is wait, 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 let's get full three points here, plus three with the Bears, which I think we're going to get, right? Because the public yeah. is going to be banging away on the Vikings all day long. But as yeah. much as Nick Foles is an absolute horror show, and we know that he is, and we talk about it every week, like mm-hmm. he gets a crazy amount of airtime for us because it's always like a really interesting game and a yeah. really interesting spread more, re- more realistically every single mm-hmm. week with him and when do we like the bears right we like the bears at, at home. home we like the bears later in the day later the better right 8 8 30 start time okay. like them even more than if it was eight o'clock right okay when okay. do we not like the vikings anytime Outside. they're in outdoors in the cold all, like when do we not like kirk cousins i don't know prime time He's I was going to say ever. <laughs> well, ever, but like horrific <laughs> in prime time. Oh, I got so you. Prime got time, you. on the road, on the road, in the cold, Bears, defense, one-dimensional. I shouldn't say one-dimensional because they, you know, they can throw the ball a little bit from a Viking standpoint. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. obviously, they're predicated on not turning the ball over, which Kirk Cousins loves to do when he absolutely has to throw the football here. And the Bears yeah. can slow down that run game from Dalvin Cook. Whether they do or not, who's to say? But like, that is going to be the thing that they can do. And so this is the spot that we love Again, love's a strong word because it's the Bears. But this is the spot that we <laughs> grab the Bears every single time on, right? But we're going to want the Man. three points. And that's kind of the story in a lot of these games this week. And yeah. all of these games, I should mention, 
you know, slightly more advanced, I suppose. But all of these sort of two, two and a half point spreads need to be teased up through seven up to eight and thrown okay. together in various combinations, right? Because like, okay. you know, talked about the Colts being plus two earlier this week and mm-hmm. needing that to go up to plus eight. Well, how about the Chargers plus eight, plus eight and a half? How about the Bears plus eight, eight and a half? How about the yeah. Bills plus eight, eight and a half? Like all of that sounds like really, really good to me, you know? And so this is just one of those. You'd sort of, you know, obviously have to wait it out for Monday to actually mm-hmm. see this thing, co- you know, go through. Um, but I think you get three as well from a straight up standpoint. And I think that's the play. Uh, but yeah, if you can avoid this game entirely and then check in and find out that it was 1917, like every other Bears game at home at night is, <laughs> then yeah, you're probably, that's probably for the best because this could be ugly from both sides. And the best part about it is as much as we're talking about how ugly this game will be, yeah. both be right there, tuned in, right oh, at yeah. the start of the game, watching Where the whole I thing. Have to be? Just so angry while watching it. Oh, it's great. The NFL. Yeah, How the we are suckers. We mentioned the sucker bet of the yeah. week earlier on, but leaves us to a survivor pick of the week, which there are some interesting options. And I mean, hey, we're in the week 10. So yeah, things are getting spicy all over the place. <laughs> Even yeah. if you took the Chiefs last week, as they were double-digit spread favorites last week, that game came right down to the wire. We talked about, obviously, the Steelers almost losing to the Cowboys. We were on the Patriots against the Jets. Like, things are getting spicy in week 10. Who do you got this week? What are we thinking here? Yeah, well, I mean, fundamentally, right, there's sort of three options. One of those was the Steelers. But if you're ever looking to get absolutely housed on a survivor pick, I think you pick a guy who, you know, was on the COVID list, has two bad (laughs) knees against a guy who we all refer to as, you know, Joey Covers coming off of a bye week, right? Like, so no, I don't think we're going to do that, right? So then it comes down to, okay, it's either Green Bay against Jacksonville Mm -hmm. or it's New Orleans against San Francisco. Now, from a strategic standpoint, right, a lot of people, you know, may not have taken Green Bay because it's taken us a little while to kind of not warm up to them being really good, but, like, we haven't had the Green Bay 10-point favorite game, right? It's been a lot of Green Bay by seven. Green Bay, can you believe they're only favored by three? Like, that type of... people might have taken them and lost when they were against the the Vikings. Vikings. Yep, fair point as well. Right. And so like the green green Bay is going to be available to a lot of people. And if you look Mm -hmm. at their schedule in the future, you go, yeah, like this is this, this is the time to take green Bay right now. Truthfully, you know, we call it survivor because that's politically correct, but we're not, the game isn't really just to survive. It's to win. Right. And honestly, because of the political, it used to be called suicide. Right. And of course we don't call it that for obvious reasons, but like, it's because the psychological element here is like, how do we not knock ourselves out by doing something stupid? Right. (laughs) And so in this case, like, you don't want to do anything stupid, but I don't think taking new Orleans against San Francisco is necessarily that. Right. And that's why we're looking at these two teams. So this isn't an off the board crazy pick because I think new Orleans is, you know, listen, we're talking about a nine and a half, 10 point favorite here. And so from a money line standpoint, right. It all comes back to that and being okay from a probability. Okay. We're feeling really good about this. Of course we would have felt really good about the 10 point favorite that we had on Monday night until literally the whole game went by and it was completely terrifying from start to finish. Now I think that I think a lot more of the saints than I do of the Patriots here. So I think this is the time to use the saints because I've got, 
got a spot already picked out later on in the season for Green Bay. And this isn't the sort of spicy thing where we took the Eagles that one time, we took Houston, we took New England, and thank God we did, and thank God we got out of there alive with all of those. But that's what you have to do. And from a survivor strategy standpoint, I want to be sure as much as you can be early. And I want to be sure as much as I can be late. And I want to take those chances in the middle of the season, just from a psychological standpoint. So I I don't feel awful when we lose late because we were just left with this three point favorite or early on when we tried to, you know, save, you know, X or Y team for Mm -hmm. later here. So I think the saints are going to be the play here. Uh, I don't see any injury quarterback things that are going to jam us up on Saturday where we take a hard right turn and end up going with some other team here uh, because I just think this is the spot for the saints. A lot of people will sort of look ahead and be like, well, they play the Falcons in a couple of weeks or next week. Mm -hmm. And I think the Falcons are dangerous. Those games I think the Falcons are a little dangerous. And so if people want to take green Bay this week and try the saints next week against the Falcons, more power to them, but I like our strategy instead. Cool, man. That sounds good. And you know what? For more insight into the gambling realm, and we got a lot of things on the go. As mentioned, it's Masters Week. So I know you're handing out the goodness on Twitter, of course, but talk to me and to the people about where they can get your info for everything else that's going on in sports from a gambling perspective. Where, where can the people find you? Yeah, absolutely. The Window Sports Betting Podcast. Just type that into wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to find it. It For the people on YouTube, it looks like this right here. Hey. Boom. Um, and yeah, so this week was a fun week, man. So what we started doing, and this can't be swept under the rug, is Monday's hey. reaction podcast with Let's a certain go. gent by the name of Sheldon Alexander. So as much as we sort of talked about last week's, you know, games here we try to tighten it up a little bit and get some of that stuff out on my feed on monday so that we can focus looking forward in this podcast and i think monday's episode was awesome um feel free to go back and check that out because you know listen we're not quite at week 10 just yet uh wednesday i had uh joshua perry from the action network who is there like golf guru at this point uh he was pulling out winners from the corn fairy tour if you don't even know what that is maybe you should check out that podcast Never but he was doing that. that this summer where he was hitting 125 to ones so like i'm following whatever that guy's doing when it comes to the masters he and i have a bit of a different strategy right he does a lot of stuff before the tournament and just sort of lets it all play out i'm a big live betting guy when it comes to golf right like i like okay. to watch see who's playing well see who's getting knocked out sort of knocking themselves out of the tournament yeah. early and then see how the lines get adjusted because the market doesn't move as well or as efficiently live as it does when it's just sitting there for four days right same thing with like live betting football all of that kind of thing so uh, i put out any live bet that i make during the tournament i do that on twitter that for me works a lot better throughout that you know going from that strategy than just sort of picking things at the start of the week half your guys miss the cut or you know shoot themselves out of the tournament early and you're just like well why did i bother doing that because some of my best guys here you know i could get a better number on i wouldn't have to invest as much right so if you're a 5 10 20 better like why bet 20 dollars on dustin johnson right now at eight to one where like he might just you know do a casual shoot a casual 71 in round one he might be four shots back and it's like that's easy you know for him to make up over the next three rounds but he's going to get a better price and so i'll sort of guide you there from a twitter standpoint so you know check out the podcast but the twitter is very much 
you know, because betting isn't just, hey, pick the games at the start of the day or pick the players at the start of the week. It's a very fluid situation. And so, of course, we commiserate and we celebrate uh, there and on the podcast as well. But don't forget to check out every Monday with our guy, Shell Alexander here. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's celebration and commiseration at its finest for the rest of the season, hopefully. I love it. It's a lot of fun getting the deep dive into the NFL in a different way on this On Blast Network than we've done in years past. And of course, for more of that, as Mr. Russell just mentioned, we do it on Monday where we react to what's going, what just happened each and every NFL Sunday. That again is the window sports betting podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And you know, while you're there, like, and subscribe to this, the on blast podcast network as well. You can find us on anywhere you get your podcasts, which is Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google play, and on YouTube, please like, and subscribe, continue to build on this, the movement that is the on blast podcast network and again another great week here talking some football really enjoy it really loved it and things are gonna get a little more spicy on the on blast network is i don't know if you're paying attention to the twitter the twitter streets but the nba is coming back (laughs) there's a lot of nba hot goss going on i'm glad we're still doing this thing on thursday man between the nba getting absolutely lit on the old on the old hot stove uh and and let's not forget about your challenge podcast which is absolutely tearing yes. it up the on challenge. social media right now. So yeah. I'm just I'm just happy to be here, man. I, I thought <laughs> I thought I was gonna get some sort of text saying like, "Sorry, too big for you. Can't have you on ever again because we're we're too busy with all our other good stuff." There's there's a lot of things going on on the On Blast Network right now, which is uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun being had for sure. And the empire just continues to build and continue to grow. And as always, I like to thank the people for making that happen but yeah you're alluding to we did an interview with one of the stars of the show the challenge uh ashley mitchell joined us and that was a lot of fun but yeah reality tv if that's your thing check us out for sure got a lot of things on the go on this as we continue to build and as i always say to close out each and every pod i really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is i'll name this football pod later on the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic Until next time, see ya.